Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. So let's get started with our message today. And I believe God does have a special word for each of you. We're going to read today in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This passage is commonly called the prayer of Jabez. Well, let's read. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, first and foremost, for your presence that is with us today. I thank you, God, for each person, each individual that's here, and all the families, God, that that represents. I ask you, God, to you know that we all have needs, that we are looking to you to be our provider. But right now, God, I pray that you quiet our minds and you soften our hearts, that we may hear from you through your Holy Spirit today. Amen. So my question for you today is, why are you here? Literally, like, why are you here, like, right now in this church service? You know, as we walk through this passage, you know, I've got two goals in mind as you think about that question. The first goal is, I hope to, that, to give you some practical tools that you can walk away with and apply them to your life the life of your family, the life of your spouse, you know, but also in the life of our church. But the second goal I have for you is I want to give you a few reasons why I'm here. I want to give you a few reasons why my wife and my kids and I have chosen to be here for the last 15 years. And God willing, we hope to be here for many decades to come. Well, this prayer of Jabez, the reason it's relevant is it captures so much of the mindset and the heart of our church. And I want it to become your mindset and your heart for your life. As you know, we are in our third week of this series that we call Prepare. What are we preparing for? We're preparing for what God wants to do. And today, I believe that we have to understand the power that prayer has in that preparation. So said differently, what I want you to know, and this is our big idea today, is learning to pray big, bold prayers is essential to preparing for what God wants to do. And I hope you leave today inspired to do just that. Well, as we look at the prayer of Jabez, I find it very interesting. And I find it interesting for one reason. So show of hands and don't be bashful and also don't be too prideful. But how many of you have read the first Chronicles? Anybody read First Chronicles? Did you leave that like, oh, I'm totally inspired. That like left me with like some really cool stories. No, because First Chronicles is just a series of genealogies, right? It's like this guy had these sons, married these women, they had these sons, and then they married these women, and they had these sons. It's all about this person begat this person begat this person. And in the list of 600 begats, 600 names 
the Bible pauses on this guy Jabez. That's pretty cool when you think about it, right? The Bible pauses to say, I want to give this guy a shout out. And that, that's pretty interesting to me. The, the second thing that's important to me is that Jabez was called more honorable than his brothers. And let me go on record and say, on the surface, that's not that big of a deal because I've got one brother and I'm definitely more honorable than him. All right, so I'm like, what's the big deal, right? But in the context of this, this is talking about more honorable, sort of like the Bible says about Abraham and Noah. He's talking about the bigger brothers, right? Like Jabez was a dude that honored God and let's give him a shout out, right? That is a trait that we should all strive for or admire. The third thing is, this is inspiring. And this is what really gets me, right? It's inspiring to me because that last phrase in there says, and God gave him what he asked. How inspiring is that to read the words that says God gave him what he asked? How many of you would just, uh, just be overjoyed if that was your story? And God gave me what I asked. That's pretty powerful. Well, what makes it even more inspiring is when you think about who Jabez is. The first verse said his mother bore him and gave him the name Jabez because she bore him in pain. Or he, and some of it, some translations say she bore him in sorrow. The bottom line is the word Jabez, the name Jabez literally means pain. Pain. How many of you just thought, wow, I should have named my kid Pain? I mean, just see how these things work out, right? But you think about this poor Jabez, right? He's going through life and his name is Pain. Talk about not needing, there's no creativity needed on the part of kids and that, they don't have to make up nicknames for him because his mom already did that, right? Hey, Pain, what's going on, Pain? You're a Pain, you know you're a Pain, at least my name's not Pain, right? How miserable is that for Jabez, right? But what did Jabez do when you read his prayer? His prayer was nothing about God changed my name. His prayer was nothing about God, this is painful, or God, look at my life, it's miserable. No, Jabez did not let his label determine his destiny. That is so inspiring to me. Instead of Jabez crying out to God about his pain, he cried out to God about God's promise. And that is essential for you to understand what we're teaching about today. And not letting labels determine your destiny. I told you I want to tell you some reasons why my family and I are here. And not letting labels determine your destiny has been the heartbeat of this church from day one. From the beginning, Creekwood has had a vision to be a hospital to the spiritually broken. Whatever the label the world has put on you, whether it's marriage issues, divorce, financial issues, bankruptcy, can't hold a job, maybe you're younger and you're playing youth baseball in NYBA and you're striking out all the time, or maybe you fumble the ball on the football. I don't know what your label is. Maybe you can't get a date. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you've got a label that the world has put on you, right? But whatever that is, what Creekwood Church has said is we've saved a seat for you. And that has been true since day one. Our heartbeat has been when, you're, when your heart spiritually needs a surgeon and your soul needs a friend, we've saved a seat for you. This church from the very beginning has been praying big, bold prayers for the broken, the lost, the hurting to come and find the redemptive, restoring, and healing power in Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, you don't have to look very far in our congregation to find proof of that. 
There's so many people that have come here just, just for that. I love it because you know what we're saying? We're not saying get cleaned up and come here. We're not saying, you know, we're going to judge you for who you are. What we're saying is we're going to join you and help you become who God has planned for you to be. And that is an extremely powerful thing that speaks to me and my wife and my kids. Well, let's walk through this prayer, Jabez. The very first sentence he has in his, or the phrase he has in his prayer is, oh, that you would bless me. So just know that this is saying, pray for blessing. Just pray for blessing. I know it may not be, in our, in our, in our day and age, it seems like, well, wait a second, shouldn't I be praying for other people? That seems kind of selfish and arrogant that you're saying, God bless me. But you know what? In some translations, um, the, the Bible uses the word indeed. And instead of saying, oh, bless me, it says, God, that you would bless me indeed. And what that is saying, he, Jabez is saying unapologetically. He's like, I'm not going to apologize, God. I want your blessing. I want your blessing. That's what I want. You've given me this much, and I want this much. And he's saying, no, I don't really care what people think. I'm asking you, God, for your blessing. He's asking God to give him more than he already has. He's saying, God, give me more. And this is bigger than materialism. He's asking for more of God. He's not saying, it's not the prayer to say, I want another car. I want another house. I want a little bit more money in the bank. No, this is saying, God, bless me. Bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. Bless me so that I can bless others. God, give me more than I need so that I can be a blessing to someone else. That's the heart of the prayer. It's telling us to get to the point where you have less needs and a lot more vision. Think about that difference. If you're caught in this cycle of, God, I need, I need money for this bill. I need, I need help in this relationship. I need this. I need this. I need this. And that's, that's your prayer life that you're in. You know what? God's here for you. And I know that God will meet your needs. But what Jabez is teaching you is saying, whoa, yes, God, meet my needs. But let's think about what this great vision is, right? If you start praying about, wow, help me so I could do more. Because when God gives you what you don't already have, when he gives you what you can start doing things that you've never done. And that is a powerful, powerful concept. You might think I want to do these great things for God, but you know what? I got this job. I got these bills. I got this. I got that. What if you just switch that around and say, God, I know you're going to meet my needs. Now let's focus on this vision. That's what Jabez is praying for. As a matter of fact, Chris Hodges says it this way. The happiest people don't have less problems. They have clear purpose. That's powerful. The happiest people don't have less problems. They have clear purpose. The desire for God's blessing in this case is really about being generous. What we're saying in the context of this, God, bless me indeed. Give me more than I need so I can be a blessing to others because I desire to be generous. As a matter of fact, in this context, God is not looking for someone to give to. He's looking for someone to give through. There's a huge difference. If your perspective between you and God is that God, give me something so it stops right here. God's like, eh, all right, you're my child. Let me help you out. But if yours like, God, give me something here so I can pass it through. God's taking notice of your heart and he's not going to leave you unanswered. This is another reason why my family and I are compelled to be part of Creekwood. When you think about this concept of generosity, you know, when you understand what God's asking, you can't help but want to be generous, but it forces you to focus on something bigger than your problems. 
And that is a powerful place to be. When I think about this here at Creekwood, we've seen our church have so many needs, real legitimate needs, right? But instead of focusing on doing more within our church, our church staff constantly challenges us to focus outside the church. From the beginning here, we've been committed to things like international missions. We've been committed to giving to local charities to help people in need. We've been committed to being a, a, a church that is here for people that need. At a time when we could be paving a new parking lot, think years ago, right? We could have been paving a new parking lot out there. We could have been expanding this building because we need to. And nobody would bat an eye because that's, it just seemed obvious. Let's, let's, build, let's expand this. Let's pave that. Let's, let's improve our sound system. Let's invest more in our air conditioning, whatever it may be. Those are legitimate, legitimate needs. But what did we do instead? Our church launched a generosity project to say we have so many needs inside, but we know that the vision God has for us is on the outside. So let's collect money from our church body and let's have a generosity project so we can have benevolence that when people need it, we can give it to them. That is powerful. That is powerful. When I saw that, that just compelled me so much. And that of my family, when I see that, I just think about this and say, oh God, bless me indeed. Bless this church indeed, and may we never lose our heart of generosity and compassion for our community. That's what he means by bless me. The second thing he talks about is enlarge my border. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. And some translations use the word territory. Basically, Jabez is praying for great influence. Oh, God, increase my influence. And how many of you would agree with me that the greatest impact you can have is through influence? It's not through authority. It's not through control. And it's not through domination. But it's through influence. And that's what Jabez is praying for. Give me greater influence. Why is influence important? Because our mission is people. Our mission is people. That's why influence is so important. God wants to use you to influence people. In Psalms chapter 2, there's a few verses about this, but one in Psalms chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. What this is saying is that the people you influence for Christ and the people they influence for Christ, that becomes your inheritance. We think of inheritance in our, in our worldly state, it's about wealth. It's about some relative is passing on things to the generations behind them, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That is, a, that is a really good thing. And I mean, if I had that, I'd say it's a great thing, right? Who would turn it down, right? But in the Bible, what it's saying is your inheritance are people. Why is that? Because things are not eternal. People are eternal. And what God is saying is when you influence somebody who then influences somebody else, who then influences somebody else, you are building for you an eternal inheritance that you are going to have when you reach heaven. God is saying our mission is people. And in that, influence is best done in the context of relationships. 
Sure, you can be influenced by people you don't know. We see it all the time with social media, with movies or whatever, right? People you don't know, they, they can, there's some influence on you. I think it's kind of funny, I guess, on um, social media, they have like influencers, is that what they call them, right? Where they have a bunch of followers, so companies try to get them to wear their products and something so they can see it. They call those influencers, and those are kind of influence, right? But, but I think you would agree with me that the greatest influence, your greatest, your influence greatest by people who you spend time with and connect to, relationships. So for my family and me, the relationship we've had here over the years, that's what keeps us coming back. There's great influence in relationships. I could go on and on about this. From the start, we have found people that would want to have fun with us, that want to challenge us, that want to encourage us, want to help us. And over the past 15 years, it's been incredible. I could go on and on about this. I'll give you one example. Back in 2005, I met one of the finest men that we have at Creekwood. His name is Thad Cohn. Some of you know him as Coach Cohn. I love Coach Cohn. Coach Cohn to me is the real deal. There's no foo-foo, frills, fluff about Coach Cohn. He's just, he's just an integri- integral man, and I love him. So I met him. We're playing softball and di- different things. I just made a comment to him. I was like, hey, you know what? One of my goals, I forgot how the conversation went, but I made a comment that I had a, a goal uh, that I would love to be able to compete in a sprint triathlon. And I said in a way that I don't know that I would ever be able to do that. And without batting an eye, without hesitating, he said, well, let's go. Let's do it. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'll train you. And just out of because of the relationship, Coach Cone would show up at my house in the morning, would go and would go to the community pool, and he'd coach me through a swim workout. Then he'd show up in the evenings, he'd coach me through a running workout. And then he'd show up on the weekends, and he'd coach me through a cycling workout. And this went on for a few months, and finally he was like, okay, I think you're ready. I'm like, well, what do I have? He goes, well, I found an event for you. Let's go. And on a Saturday morning, he shows up at my house, and he drives me over an hour and a half away. And I compete in, this, in my first sprint triathlon. And going through that, he was encouraging me. And when I finished, I think he was a lot more happy than I, I was dead. I'm not, I'm, my body's not built for that. And I could train all day long, but you know what? <laughs> but he was so happy. And, you know, it's funny. Long ago, I was like, Dad, why are you doing this? He goes, because you said you wanted to achieve a goal. And you know what did Thad get out of it? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing other than a friend and a brother for life. That's the power of relationships and influence. I could talk all day long about life groups I've led, life groups I've attended, where men connected with me about challenges on my job. It's so good to have men here that that understand what I do on a daily basis and then understand my faith. Or I could talk about, you know, a small group of guys that we get together every so often at breakfast, right? And we're able to get together and just catch up and encourage each other. It's powerful relationships there. Or more importantly, I can tell you that the importance of having one of my best friends here, that when I was truly, truly, truly struggling in my marriage, I was able, able to pick up the phone and call him and just tell him what's going on. It changed my life. And I can tell you the list is long. The impact is deep. But these relationships are truly the tangible evidence of the truth and love of Jesus Christ. And that's the best way that you will influence others and be influenced. My kids have experienced life-changing relationships as well. Like I said, we've been here since 
right before 2005, the end of 2004 is when we got here. And since then, I've seen my kids grow. And we firmly believe in, in uh, the scripture in Proverbs 22.6 that says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have seen firsthand how Creekwood Church is a great environment to reinforce godly teaching and principles for your kids. And I say reinforce because Creekwood's not going to raise your kids. You're going to raise your kids. The church is going to reinforce the biblical teaching, right? And the best way to describe our journey here at Creekwood is let me show you a couple of pictures. You have this first one here of Catherine and Landry. Catherine's in the yellow. Landry's in the blue. And you can't see, but it's funny because Landry's kind of standing there like he always does, just stands there. Catherine is there with her tongue out because she's trying to catch the snow. But this is in front of Rojean Worley Middle School. This is in 2005. This was the very first Easter at Creekwood. And we were so excited because we had all this day planned with an egg hunt and blah, blah, all this stuff going on. We were going to go from 30 to 5,000 in one day. That was our belief, right? And so what happened? It snows. So even not all the 30 showed up, right? But anyway, but the point is, is this was our beginning. Our kids were that young. They were that young out there. And then we have a picture of Jonah stealing donuts, right? Picture of Jonah stealing donuts because in the early days, we would show up to Creekwood. We'd have to, you know, empty out this truck with all our equipment in it, set up all these chairs either in the cafeteria or the auditorium, wherever we were in whichever school, and then we'd get everything set up for church. But the one thing that was always a constant is that you're always going to get donuts. Always, always have to. We're always going to be fed with donuts. And Jonah had a good, good way of finding them. Well, then if you fast forward, this is Catherine, right? This is one of her senior pictures out in front of our church here. And then we have the same picture of Landry out in front of our church here. Then we have a picture of Jonah that's out at our church property as we were praying over the new land. And if you look at that time span from when they were so young to where they are now, I can't tell you how grateful I am for the influences that this church has been in their life. It's truly incredible. It's truly irreplaceable. It's irreplaceable. And over the years, all these influences in their lives, it's just one example of how you can pray for God to influence, God to increase your influence. Just put in the context of my three kids, if any of you have had a part in any of their teaching, any of their small groups, any of them just hanging out. They're off in college. My oldest are off in college now. You have a great influence there. It's a great way for you to, to, get, to get involved. Get involved in a ministry. Get involved or lead a life group, as we were talking about earlier. Speaking of life groups, one thing that we've learned is that life groups really work here. They really work. We were so skeptical at first. I'll be honest. Kim and I were like, yeah, this life group thing, I don't know about that. Uh, we, we just, we've never seen the past. We come a, from a very traditional background. Um, you know, even standing up here in jeans, you know, we'd, in the past with things like, how can you talk about the power of God in a pair of jeans? Son? <laughs> right? But we come from a very traditional background. And when we saw this, we we're like, but where's Sunday school? Where's the formal teaching? How are we going to become truly disciples of Christ if we're not sitting listening to somebody talk in the midweek, like on Wednesdays? We're a Sunday night church, right? And we had all these questions, but we just knew we had to be here. And I wish I had time to tell you about that whole journey. But can I tell you that even, throughout, even through our struggle, we've, we, we, over the years, 
we have witnessed so many people experience life change in the context of life groups. We've experienced more life change in life groups than we ever saw in formal classes. I'm not dogging formal. I'm not dogging at all. But I really believe that Creekwood is about Jesus and the way Jesus did things. And that is the way Jesus connected. In large groups, you can't connect deeply with people. I know we did a meet and greet. And I love meet and greet. But that's not a deep connection. In the context of small settings, you're able to connect more deeply. And what I've witnessed in these small settings is that God doesn't want me, in this case, to be all you get, right? God's plan is for those around you to build you up. And that happens in small groups. What's said differently is God allows you to play a part in someone else's life and in a life group that he never intends a preacher or teacher to, to do. And there's things that God unlocks and does in that context. We're convinced that life groups work. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not going to rah-rah this whole thing because for me, life groups are like exercise. All right. Some days you're like, yep, I'm going after it. I'm going to get it. And I'm, I'm pumped up and ready to go. Other days you're like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. But I can tell you when I do it, like yesterday I went out and rode, I don't know, about um, 16, 17 miles. I know some of you are like, that's nothing. For me, it's something. All right. I'm still getting used to sitting that long on the bike. <laughs> that, 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 that's a, anyway, but my point is, is that I was like, I really don't want to go. I'm like, I'm speaking tonight or whatever. Maybe I should be studying more, but I went. And can I tell you, I felt awesome afterwards. So glad I did it. And that's what I have with life groups. With life groups, some days I'm pumped up, ready to socialize. I'm like, yeah, let's get our life group on and we have a great time. Other days I'm like, I'm tired. I'm stressed. I'm peopled out. Do I really have to do this? But can I tell you, I have always, 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 always been glad that I attended that life group. I have never regretted going to a life group. And I've been in life groups where one person has shown up. I've been in some where over 20, 25 has shown up. And every single time, it's been worth it. It's been worth it. By the way, I mentioned to you earlier about us wanting to have more life groups here, life group leaders. If this prayer of God bless me, increase me, right? Give me more than I need. If this prayer about increase my influence, if this speaks to you, if you're like, you know what? I want this. I want this. Then become a life group leader. That could very well be your first step of obedience that God's calling you to do today. So the third thing he says is, and that your hand might be with me. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me. The hand of God in this context refers to his power and his presence. Wow, what an ask and what a commitment that Jabez is making. God, I will not go anywhere unless your power and your presence are with me. That's good stuff, right? If you're out there running a business and you think your business is going to be successful because of you, you need to rethink that and say, you know what, God? May your hand go with me because I need your power and presence running this business. If you're teaching a class and you got all these students in there and you think that you're going to follow that methodology, whatever it is to a T, and that's going to be all the magic, you better rethink that and say, God, may your hand go with me when I'm teaching these kids. If you have a big organization, same thing. If you're a parent, it's the same thing. As you teach your kids, as you model for your kids, may your hand, may God's hand be with you. 
When God gives us influence over our head, we need the hand of God to be with us. Remember, we're asking God to give us more than we have. We're asking him to give us purpose greater than what we know. Well, when we do that, then what we said is, God, we're going beyond my skill and my ability. And so therefore, I need your power and your presence to be there to make this happen. You know what that's called? It's called patience and faith. We have to learn to wait and listen to God. We can't be in a hurry. We can't expect God to give us his power and his presence for our plans. It's the other way around. If we want God's power and presence, we must accept his plans and his timing. It's patience and faith. And one of the things I appreciate about our church is our willingness to follow God's lead. I love the patience we've seen to wait on God to open up opportunities instead of going and banging down doors on our own. And only by the hand of God, his power and his presence, have we been able to move from place to place. I know you've heard this story so many times about moving from the middle school to the high school to here. And then now God's got this great thing unfolding for us on the other side of Mansfield. Maybe one day we're going to have Mansfield surrounded on all sides, right? Maybe we have a North Campus, South Campus. I don't know. That'd be awesome, right? But you know what? What I'm talking about right here is even bigger than that, right? I've seen at this church where we are so patient and deliberate, even when we think about how we launch life groups, how we create the kids' ministries, how we set things out in the foyer, what's the experience going to be when people come for the first time? All of those things I have witnessed being bathed in the power and presence of God because we've been patient. Been patient. It's been 15 years, y'all. It'll be 15 years in November, right? I mean, that's how long this takes when you're waiting on God and God's timing. Kim and I were both pleasantly surprised when we heard early on to hear our pastor say, you know what? Creekwood may not be for everyone, may not be for you. And when we would hear that, we're like, well, that's very interesting because don't we really want everybody because everybody needs Jesus and we want a huge congregation because that's what you think should happen. But the beautiful part is the reason they would say that is because God is using so many church bodies around Mansfield to reach Mansfield and the surrounding area. So they'd say like, Creekwood is part of God's plan, but Creekwood is not God's exclusive plan. That is powerful in saying, I'm going to wait for the timing and the plans of God to unfold so I know his hand will go with me. That is powerful. That applies to you personally too. You are part of God's plan. You are not God's exclusive plan, although God has an exclusive plan for you. But be patient and have faith and wait on God. I love the way Pastor Brad puts it. He says, you know, the global church is the big C and Creekwood is a little C, right? Because there's a global plan that God has and we're just part of it. I believe seeking and accepting God's plan and timing are key to experience his, his hand in your life and for preparing for what he wants to do. You know, I'll never forget the many times Pastor Stephen would call, call us in the early days. He'd call us, and there weren't many of us, so not many of us could show up. He'd, he'd call us and say, hey, meet me at the high school. It'd be dark. And I remember like last time I went to the high school in the dark, it wasn't really for godly things. So I'm like, what in the world is going on? Why is our pastor doing this, right? But we'd show up and there'd be a few other, uh, there'd be other people there and we would just walk, 
walk that parking lot, walk around that school, claiming the power and presence of God. Not because we're saying, God, we want to be here and you better make it happen, but because God, we feel you are calling us to this place. If it be your plans and your timing, make it happen. Make it happen because there is nothing we could do. That has been the heartbeat of our pastor. We believed back then and we believe still today that God honors earnest and fervent prayers of faith. As a matter of fact, the very first life group that we ever launched was a prayer life group. The last statement that he has in his prayer is, oh, that you would keep me from harm. Now I want to pause right here, and I just want to encourage you guys. While this is on the screen, take a picture of this, because this is the whole phrases of this prayer of Jabez. And I want you to take this away, and I want you to pray it for yourself after you leave these walls. I want you to pray it for your spouse and for your children. I want you to pray it for our church. I want you to pray it for your business. I want you to pray it for your organizations. I want you to bathe everything you have in this prayer. Can I tell you, I've done that over the last couple of weeks. I took this and I prayed it for me. I was like, oh God, bless me. This is some stuff. Oh God, increase my border. Man, my border. Oh God, that your hand might be with me. Oh God, keep me from harm. All these things about me. And I stopped and I was like, God, oh God, bless Kim. Increase her border. Right? May your hand be with her. Keep her from harm. Then I went, oh God, bless Catherine. And went through the prayer. Oh God, bless Landry. Went through the prayer. Oh God, bless Jonah. And can I tell you, there's little things that there, there's, there's just a, nothing more powerful you can do than to pray for your family that way. And then I prayed for our church. And you can do the same. You can make it as short or as long as you want. But please, do it. So he says, keep me from harm. And keep me from harm means God's protection. Some translations say, keep me from evil. How many know that evil is really out there? How many really know that evil is really in here? Right? We need God's protection internally. We need its protection internally. You know, um, our minds and our souls. I'll tell you, there's monkeys in my head every single day. There's monkeys spinning around there every single day. I got to fight. I got to battle because they're telling me things that, that I know that are not of God. There's cravings in my heart that I know are not honoring to God. And so I got to pray God's protection against myself. But we also got to pray for God's protection externally. Satan's schemes. We all know there's a devil out there. And we got to acknowledge that. We also got to ask God's protection from people that want to harm us. That happens frequently. And we got to ask for God's protection and from things that we cannot see. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus, protect me from me. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Amen, God. Protect me from that devil. Protect me from that devil. And Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Amen, God. Protect me from things that I cannot see. And our prayer is that God protect us from pain and struggle. That's okay. Pray for that. Pray God to keep me from pain, keep me from struggle. Why is that okay? Because you've just prayed for God to give you more, God to give you clear purpose, for his hand to go with you. The last thing you want is to be distracted. 
So pray that he protects you from this harm. But you know what? If he allows you to experience pain and struggle, then your prayer is, God, protect me through this pain and struggle. So really what we're saying is no matter what your circumstance, you're saying, God, please protect me. God, please protect me. So this prayer of Jabez comes down to four words. Blessing, influence, presence, and protection. Blessing, give me more. Influence, give me greater purpose. Presence, God, may your hand go with me. And protection, keep me from harm. So as I close... I'll tell you again, why am I here? Why is my family here? I've mentioned a few things to you about generosity, relationships, and big, bold prayers. Those are so essential, and that's what compels us to be here. You see, I've learned at Creekwood that my relationship with God is more important than my tradition. And living out a purpose bigger than myself requires generous portions of my time, my attention, and my finances. You have to know that, that living out a purpose bigger than yourself is going to require generous portions of your time, of your attention, and of your finances. But in the end, while church may not be easy, it's completely worth it. It takes work, it takes sacrifice, it takes effort, but it's worth it. Can I tell you one thing, and I don't say this other than let you maybe encourage you, from day one of our marriage with Kim and I, we've always committed a tithe to the Lord. And that is hard. I'm not saying that to say, Pat, but I'm, I'm telling you, I struggle because our culture is not built on living on less than you make. Our culture is not built on living than on 90% of what you make. And then if you throw giving on top of that, our culture is not built on living on 80%, 70% of what you make. But we feel that's what God calls us to do. It's hard. And there's times I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't seem very logical. But I got to tell you, God has been faithful over and over again. Don't get me wrong. I have failed. But God's been there. And he's resurrected us so many times. At Creekwood, each member of my family is blessed by God and others while being challenged and stretched to live out their God-given purpose. That's us. So let me ask you again, why are you here Today, I'm telling you to prepare your heart and your mind through big, bold, deliberate prayer and to let Creekwood Church be the vehicle for you to live out the purpose God has created you for. You see, this prayer of Jabez is really a powerful prayer of preparation. And God is preparing me. He's preparing you. He's preparing our church for blessings, for increase, for power, protection, and greater influence where God is taking our church and taking you and taking me, we can't afford to pray weak prayers. May we view our prayer life as the prayers of faith and preparation like Jabez did. So I'm gonna ask you right now to please stand. I'm gonna pray with you. What I ask you to do is I pray. I ask you to connect with God in your mind and your heart and you decide, right? How does this apply to me? How does this apply to my spouse? How does this apply to my kids? How does this apply to my church? How does this apply to my business? How does it apply to my job? But what I ask you to do is to take this in and then let this live with you beyond these walls. Let's pray. Oh God, bless me indeed. Bless my kids. Bless my spouse. 
Bless our church. Bless our businesses. Bless our careers and our jobs. Give us more than we need so that we can be a blessing to others. Move us to be less about our needs and more about vision, Father. And encourage my territory. Increase my influence. Use us, God. Use my family. Use my church for your mission. Give us greater purpose than ourselves. Let your hand be with us. May we never go anywhere without you. May we go everywhere with you. Lead me, guide me. May your power and presence be non-negotiable with where our church is going, where our family is going, where I am going. And keep me from harm. Grant me the wisdom and discernment to know good from evil. Give me the courage to stand for you. Dress me in your full armor that I may fight the schemes of the devil with your word, which is my sword, and my faith, which is my shield. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.